Vox Quick Hits. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, this conversation is an excerpt of a much bigger conversation about climate change and the difficulty in transitioning to a green energy economy focusing on Nigeria, which is a country that's really at the epicenter of climate change in in a lot of different and interesting ways. And so if you enjoy this short little excerpt about these very, very big global problems, go check out Worldly at our main feed. That's W-O-R-L-D-L-Y, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I, I, Alex, I, I do really want to talk about this because degrowth, what you're describing, yeah. has become a, a particularly popular idea mm-hmm. uh, recently because people are like, crap, well, when countries grow, they need to use more energy, and so the only thing to do is to stop growth, right? This is a disastrously bad idea. I agree. Right? And it is, it's like, it's hard to overstate how bad an idea it is, and looking at a country like Nigeria is, is really helpful, right? You can't stop growth in a country that's developing right now. Not only... Would it be horrifically unjust because, you know, the West got to grow and they, they're they the ones who caused the climate crisis in the first place? But it also would be, like, even outside the sort of historical lens of justice and the immediate sort of co- consequentialist vision of justice, it would be terrible because millions and millions and millions of people would be stuck in extreme poverty forever. So degrowth advocates don't say you shouldn't grow poor countries. What they say is rich countries need to stop growing so the poor countries can grow and catch up. In theory, that sounds like it might be nicer. The problem, first, is that rich countries buy products from poor countries, and if you had to slow growth significantly in those countries, there would be a global economic meltdown, which would be very bad. Second, then you would lead to a significantly decreased standard of living for lots of people in rich countries because they would lose their jobs. And you would have a lot of people who are previously middle class who would be poor, who would be very, very angry about this. So it probably wouldn't be able to happen in the first place. Uh, and third, the amount that you would need to slow down growth in the first, quote unquote, first world if you want to allow for catch up growth in the global south would be so significant that it, it just sort of boggles the mind. Right there's a, a an economist Branko Milnovich uh, who studies inequality who looked at this question, and uh, Branko his, he did some back of the envelope math and it just like it's staggering the amount of growth that you would need to cut off. So as I, as popular as this idea is and as intuitive as it sounds to a lot of people, like global economic growth that's just polluting the climate. Well, growth is the only thing historically that has ever ended extreme poverty. So I don't. It's not a realistic option to stop economic growth if you want to get rid of poverty, right? The question, and this is also, I think, related to the first topic that we talked about, is how you're going to help countries that depend on fossil fuels for economic growth in general via extraction or poverty reduction by increasing access to electricity to move on without tanking their own economies or 
or exacerbating climate change, which hurts them pretty directly. And there's there's only one answer. We've, we've mentioned it several times, which is that you need to have a significant amount of international support for their attempts to develop in a climate-friendly fashion. Uh, I think that we don't discuss enough the scale of support that would be necessary. Or we talk about foreign aid as if it's something that uh, is nice to do, right? That it's really great for wealthy countries to be so kind as to help out poor people. We don't talk about it as a matter of justice, which I think we should, both in terms of historical and forward-looking justice, but also because because the world is screwed if we don't get a handle on the climate problem. And the only way to do that with any kind of fairness to people who are struggling in extreme poverty right now is a green energy transition across the world. And the only way to do that is a massive, massive, massive global investment in green energy capabilities. Uh, I, I just, I think, as is often the case with climate, our public conversation is just too small to reckon with a problem that is existential in scope. Yeah. I mean, I think that's right. I mean, I, I find it, this is worldly, so I'll bring, I'll, you know, I have a downer here, which, <laughs> which is like, you know, we're going through a pandemic, uh, and it was supposed to be that something this big, this massive, this, uh, this existential was supposed to bring the world together and, re, and, 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 and okay, we're going to cooperate. We're going to find, you know, common solutions to this problem. And we didn't see that. We saw, you know, vaccine nationalism. We saw vaccine diplomacy. We saw countries in it for themselves. Um, we're still seeing that. And that's on like the immediate threat, right? On the thing that, that that could hurt you, make you really sick today. Climate change is, is you know, it's very existential, but it's longer term. And it's, we're just like literally today having a conference of 40 world leaders to go, okay, well, how do we do this together perhaps? Or how do we set these kinds of targets? And like, it's, it's, you know, yeah, it's better late than never, but like, it's, it's late. It's really late. And there's no evidence whatsoever that there's going to be some sort of global movement, global cooperative to solve this. Uh, if, if you couldn't do it for the coronavirus, you're probably, <laughs> I find it unlikely that you're gonna do it for climate change. And so I'm pessimistic. I agree with you, Zach, the kinds of investments that are required to solve this for real, to handle all the aspects of this for real are mind-boggling in scale. And I, we're talking about, in the United States, a 50 to 52% emissions reduction by 2030, which, like, logistics and all that matter. I, I you know, I'm, I'm hearing mixed reviews whether it's aggressive, whether or not it's aggressive. But even so, you know, we're, like, we all agree worldwide, you know, pollution, bad, solving climate change, good. But then this, <laughs> after that, everyone oh, disagrees. Major, major, major asterisk. Right, Republican we all. Party in the United States. <laughs> well, I guess I mean like the the majority of people and Jair Bolsonaro in Brazil and a lot of European far right populists who are skeptical of climate change. Right, I guess I'm just, just like, saying. The, yes, there are no, it's true. Here. It's true. But the, the the majority I feel of, of people and governments are are on board. But like, it's it's after that sort of general bumper sticker that we can agree on solutions. And at this point, we should have been far, far, farther along in this conversation than we are. So I. I agree to some degree that rhymes, but I'm a lot more optimistic and not because I have a particularly Pollyanna-ish view of the world or of motivations of humans. I super don't. Pretty sure that's clear to anyone who's heard me speak for more than three seconds. But I think actually self-interest is a huge factor in helping drive some of this move toward more sustainable development and even you know, spending money and foreign aid, you know, giving money to countries who need it to help move toward a 
you know, more sustainable future. So for instance, you know, I mentioned earlier that the UK and the EU are giving, you know, lots and lots of money to countries, uh, India, Bangladesh, et cetera, also including Nigeria. And, you know, I would love to think that governments just give billions of dollars to other countries out of the goodness of their heart, but that's not really how traditionally governments uh, operate. Um, but it is in, you know, very specifically in the interests of some countries, especially wealthier countries, to, you know, make sure that there aren't climate catastrophes and massive, you know, outflows of climate refugees and climate migrants and people who are fleeing, you know, increasingly impossible to live in regions of the world and coming into their own countries and their own regions, right? I think that is a huge impetus for a lot of, uh, you know, governments to, to think about, you know, funding development and things like that in places like Africa and places, you know, uh, in South America and, and in, in Asia that are especially vulnerable to climate change because that is a very, you know, serious threat to, you know, a, as governments would see it, a very serious threat to stability and, and the economy of those countries if you, you know, accept a, a huge influx of migrants. So there's that. And I also think that we are actually seeing lots of cooperation in some ways, right? There are, you know, just... Today, as we record this, Biden is convening a big climate summit of you know, dozens and dozens of world leaders. You know, yes, that is some of their commitments that they make may not, you know, they may not follow through, just like with Paris. We were far behind where even the Paris commitments, you know, should be for, for most countries. But at the same time, like, they're still coming together. They're still talking. A bunch of countries right, you know, in advance of this have announced new kind of more aggressive targets. I think there is an effort to organize and at least have the conversations around, you know, these tough conversations about who needs to do the funding, which countries need help funding. So, you know, Nigeria is going to be involved in this summit, and I'm sure they are going to bring up the fact that we would like to hit more aggressive climate targets, but we need some help. And the ability to come together in a forum and say that to the countries that are the ones who are able to provide that help, I think is really important. So I don't think it's quite as dire. And I also think, just to put a fine point on it, I think we are increasingly reaching a point where it is really difficult to deny climate change. I know people still somehow manage to do it, and that's their life. But, you know, countries, including the United States, are experiencing, like, daily the very real effects of climate change from, you know, increased heat and fires and more erratic weather patterns and sea level rise, et cetera, et cetera, right? And so I think there is, you know, Alex, I think there is a more kind of global consensus, I agree with you, that this is something that's really happening. It's not theoretical anymore, right? It's not something I remember being a kid and like talking about it and, you know, beyond like the ozone, the hole in the ozone layer, which was the thing that was really big when I was a kid. But like, because again, very old. Um, it was for me too, was, don't worry. Okay. But it was always, you know, climate change was always for a long time talked about like global warming in the future, in the future. But like, we're not there anymore. We're in that that future right now. And so I think as the impacts become more immediate, more pressing, I think there is going to be, you know, hopefully, you know, more of a movement to address it. And I think also, you know, a lot of young people are really fired up about this and don't discount young people when they want to do something. We really hope you enjoyed that short conversation about 
climate change and the problems of justice and distribution in them. If you're interested in hearing more, especially about Nigeria, a country that exemplifies a lot of these trends, go check out our main episode at Worldly, W-O-R-L-D-L-Y, wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, we're there. While you're at it, maybe check out some of the other Earth Month podcasts from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Uh, We've got some pretty great ones. 